VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Hello and welcome to Go Green Radio. We have an awesome show for you today. Today we've got a little green girl talk going on. We're going to be talking to a Go Green Initiative veteran, Kate Jupina, she has been with the program with me for about six years now, and she's going to be telling us a couple things. Um, what we're going to be expecting at the fourth annual Go Green Earth Summit that's coming up, we're also going to talk to her about how she, as a busy mom, incorporates green living in her household. We're also going to be talking to Paul Gilman. He's of Covanta Energy, and he's going to be talking about how his company is playing a role in the Go Green Initiative Earth Summit and also Covanta's unique way of creating clean and renewable energy from garbage. We're going to hear all about that. And finally, we're going to be talking to Steve Halis. He's a brother of the Theta Chi fraternity at Ohio Northern University. He's working with his alumni and his brothers, the fraternity brothers, to create an all-green frat house. And we're interested to hear about exactly what that means. What is a green frat house? Is it more than just organic cotton sheets for the toga party? What's going on there? We're going to find out. Well, first of all, we have Kate Jupina on the line, and she's uh, my right-hand woman with the Go Green Initiative. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Jill. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) We're going to have some fun today. Now, Kate, you and I have worked together for many, many years now, and I have got to say you have become quite the green goddess for the Go Green Initiative. Tell our listeners how you first got involved and why you continue to put up with me. <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I can answer why I continue to put up with you, but I can tell you, you know, how I first got involved. Uh, you and I met, as you know, many years ago when our youngest children were in preschool together mm-hmm. and uh, knew each other because we were both involved with PTAs at our respective older children's schools. And when I became PTA president at my oldest daughter's school, I joined the Pleasanton PTA Council, which you were the president of at the time. And that's where I first came to find out about the Go Green Initiative. And I thought, this is a great program. And we were just doing it in Pleasanton at the time and trying to spread it out. And so I helped get them started uh, just with easy paper recycling in the classroom and things like that at my older daughter Sarah's school. How have you seen the Go Green Initiative affect your kids' school? Like, how do oh, wow. change? You know, from, from what it started those six years ago, from just doing paper in the classroom, it's amazing now. I was thinking about this just this morning, and at my younger daughter Rachel's school, they recycle paper in the classroom. They recycle plastic and aluminum. Their science teacher got a grant to build this wonderful garden where they compost all their lunch waste now, and that compost goes out into a huge composter they have, and it takes care of this great garden they have. They're growing some pumpkins for their fall festival, um, and it's just overtaken what they do. Each class now, you know, when you go to back-to-school night and you see how they have a light monitor and a door monitor, they also have a green monitor, and that person is in charge of anything green going on in the classroom, and that certainly wasn't around when I was in school. At my older daughter's high school, they recycle plastic and aluminum, and she was saying they even voted on whether they wanted to change from regular uh, plastic knives to recyclable or biodegradable corn-based knives and forks. Really? It was going to be slightly more expensive, so they let the student body vote on it, and they all voted for it. 
Oh, so that's, that's what they use in their high school now. So, so now they're using biodegradable, like, flatware for their yes. lunch? Oh, yes. my and, gosh. And, and I know at all the schools, they, they uh, uh, at, at many of the elementary and middle schools, they have the food waste programs going on. Tell um, us about that. What's the food waste program? Well, the kids, when they buy lunch or just bring their lunch, any, you know, like my daughter who doesn't like to eat the uh, crust of her peanut butter sandwiches, <laughs> she can put that in the compost bin, and that will go out and get composted instead of getting thrown away. If they buy their lunch, if their lunch tray is not very messy, they put it to be recycled, and any food they can dump into the composting bin. Um, because in our city we're very lucky we actually have a food waste program where the food waste just goes right with your green waste and then goes and get composted somewhere. Yeah, we have a really great waste hauler um, yes. who's made it pretty easy to do this. But, you know, what's great about the situation that we have is that it can be replicated. People in other communities could go to their waste hauler and say, hey, let's do it the way they're doing it. And actually, if, if folks out there, if listeners want to know exactly how we've set things up, with a waste hauler in the very first Go Green Initiative community, and you want to know more, um, you can contact us at the Go Green Initiative website. Go to www.gogreeninitiative.org, and we'll tell you all about it. Now, Kate, I know you, and I know that it's not enough for you to just simply have your kids learning great lessons about going green at school. You like to underscore that at home. What are some ways that you do that? Well, we do recycle plastic and aluminum at home, even though where we live, you can actually throw it in the trash and it's separated out at the um, waste treatment plant. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually do that at home, and we actually then send it to my younger daughter's school where they raise money with the recycling. Mm-hmm. So we do that. We also try to recycle all of our paper at home. I've got sitting here at my desk, I've got a, uh, a garbage can with a shredder, and all the junk mail that we get, any homework that's just scribble paper, all of our paper goes in there and it goes in a separate garbage bag that's blue, so the mm-hmm. waste hauler knows to just take that blue bag and it can recycle all that paper. Yeah. Um, because we have the food waste program, we do that at home. We've got our little green, a small green bin under the kitchen sink. Everybody knows to scrape all their food waste in there. Uh, and we've had birthday parties and all the and leftover cake and everything goes in there, so everybody <laughs> learns when they're at the Jupina house what to do. <laughs> um, we also hard? Recycle... I mean, how, how, have you, how have you taught the kids to do that? I mean, was it difficult? It, it, no, it wasn't difficult. We just started doing it. And sometimes when I get ladies, they'll say, Mom, shouldn't that go in the green waste? Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, they catch me. We've, we've been on vacation with some friends, and my younger daughter said, well, where do we recycle the cans? And I said, well, I don't see a place in the cabin to do that. I guess we'll just have to throw them in the trash. And she said, no, Mom, we can't do that. Where's a paper bag? We'll just save them and take them home. I love it. So, love you know, it. they just learn that. And we recycle batteries. Even my, I've even got my mother. She, she doesn't have some place to recycle her batteries, but she saves them all for me and brings them to my house, and then we take them to the, the uh, disposal center to be taken care of properly. Well, and you know what I love about that, Kate? I love how, and I think that there are other parents out there that want to do the same thing. Their kids are learning great messages by, you know, being at a Go Green Initiative school, and they're looking to give the kids a consistent message that everywhere they are, being environmentally responsible is important, whether you're in the classroom, whether you're at the lunchroom, or whether you're at home. And I love the way that you and, and parents like you are, are helping the kids see a consistent message from their adult role models that this is important behavior. Well, well we try, and, and, and even simple things like trying to take a shorter shower. 
you know, I've got two girls, so they like to take the long shower, but mm-hmm. I try to be very careful and say, come on, guys, let's, let's limit it. Yeah, that's um, great. That's and so great. There's and so many different things that you can do. I mean, the, the list is endless. I've always got new plans of things I'm looking to do at home. So, Well, and you blog about this on the Go Green Initiative website, too. Um, tell us where we can find that information. If you go to our website, www.gogreeninitiative.org, and just click on the link listed blog, you'll find blogs from Jill and I and, and also um, some other guest bloggers that mm-hmm. we have. And we blog about all sorts of different things. And those are great tips. Now, you and I have been working very hard <laughs> to put together the best Go Green Earth Summit ever. Yes. Um, this will be our fourth annual Go Green Earth Summit. Tell our listeners some of the things that they can look forward to if they attend the summit that's going to be held in Syracuse, New York, October 17th and 18th of this year. Well, we're really excited to be bringing the conference to the East Coast this year. It's always been on the West Coast, so we're happy that giving a chance to some of our West Coast schools to come. And I think they are going to hear some great speakers. We've got you, of course, leading us off, along with Mayor Driscoll from the city of Syracuse. Who He's awesome. He's for those awesome. people that don't know, Syracuse is referred to as the Emerald City of New York because they have just become an international leader in sustainable living. And mm-hmm. Mayor Driscoll has just been a trailblazer in getting their, their city to um, be accountable and, and just try to really, you know, in everything they do, be green so to speak. Yep. We've got some great seminars. We've got some uh, leaders in the, the recycling industry that are going to talk to us about recycling programs that work and also how to work with local recycling experts. Most communities don't realize that they've got people right there in their local community that can help them, and we're going to tell them how to do that. Mm-hmm. We've got some um, professors, or, or actually the chancellor at Syracuse University, and uh, the dean of one of the programs there are both at, at, at uh, oh golly, what's the other university, um, are going to both, yeah. both be coming mm-hmm. and talking to us about uh, programs they're doing and how they've, they've made a district. Um, State, SUNY College of Environmental Science and Forestry is the other. Uh, the president, Neil Murphy, is going to come and right. talk about, about the great programs they have there. Now, this year, we're doing something a little bit different. We are actually adding a student track. Um, So we've got actually some great stuff going on for students. Uh, You know, in years past, this has been uh, a conference for adults, for teachers, for parents, for principals, for local business uh, leaders, and for local government leaders. But this year, um, we are planning some special stuff for middle, high school, and university students. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we decided that's really a niche that, you know, we should be going to because this program is really about the students, no matter what age they are. And Mm -hmm. so we put together a track on Saturday when kids are out of school, and we're going to be going over the Go Green Initiative Five Principles, Mm -hmm. G-R-E-E-N, Generate Compost, Recycle, Educate, Evaluate All the Activities You Do, Mm -hmm. and Nationalize the Principles of Good Paper Use. Exactly, and, and, and that's going to be awesome. And we're going to go through each of those steps and tell kids in, in middle to university level how they can do all those steps and make it work for them in their schools because every school is different. And we're going to tell them how they can try to make each of those work at their school. Well, and that's what you know people really love about the Go Green Initiative is that it's so flexible and so malleable that it really can work regardless of your location. We were in schools from preschool through university. And we're also going to be doing tours of some Go Green Initiative schools. We're going to see it in action on the Friday of the summit. Tell us a little bit about the school tours. 
Well, on Friday in the afternoon, we usually take two hours and we go around to local schools. And the schools in Syracuse have been doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And so what we're going to try to accomplish with the school tours is we're, we've got um, different schools from elementary, middle, and high school lined up. And the participants of the conference are going to be able to go around to these different schools and see how the kids are making the Go Green Initiative work at their school, whether it's composting or recycling, uh, what they're doing in the classroom. And we'll be there during the school day so you can see the children doing these activities, how, the, how they're making it work at their school. You can see it up close, live, and personal. Thank you so much for joining us, Kate. Folks, don't go away. When we come back, we'll have Paul Gilman of Covanta Energy who's going to tell us how to make electricity from garbage. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go away. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Now, Mrs. Johnson, before we close on your mortgage loan, I want to make sure you remember Mike. Hi, you can trust me. I'm African-American, just like you. So here's the low monthly payments and interest rates we promised, and here's where they triple. The rest of this stuff is just here to make sure that we get your house when you can't pay us back. What a lovely house. Predatory lenders are never this easy to spot. Call us at 866-222-FAIR and protect yourself with the facts. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Fair Housing Alliance and the Ad Council. Do you need help getting a grant? Join the grant doctor, Bev Browning, for the program Get a Grant right here on Voice America. Each week, Dr. Bev takes you through an hour of timely topics for grant seekers, writers, and researchers. You'll learn everything there is to know about grants, grant writing, and funding. You won't have to keep asking, where's the money? And how do I get it for my organization? Get a Grant with Dr. Bev Browning is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're 
listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Glad to have you. Today we have Paul Gilman from Covanta Energy, and we are excited to talk to him because I'll bet a lot of us uh, are like me. Until just a few months ago, I didn't realize that we could create clean, renewable electricity from garbage. And Paul is going to tell us all about how that works. Paul, we are glad to have you on the show. Welcome. Jill, thank you for having me. Well, first of all, I want to thank you and Covanta Energy for becoming a gold sponsor of the 2008 Go Green Earth Summit. You're helping to bring people together from all across the globe to learn about how to create a culture of conservation in their communities, and we appreciate your support very, very much. Well, we're very pleased to do it, and we just uh, admire the job that you all are doing. Well, thanks, Paul, and you're, you're helping us to do that job, so we appreciate you. Now, some of our listeners may have never heard of Covanta or Energy from Waste. Tell us what Energy from Waste is and then what Covanta's goals as a company are. Okay, I'd be happy to do that. Um, uh, well, Energy from Waste, what, what Covanta does is really uh, we're a renewable energy company, uh, we largely produce electricity, and in the process of doing that, do a very significant amount of recycling of, of metal. Um, our fuels for making that electricity are biomass and municipal solid waste. Um, we have plants uh, all over this country, uh, also interests in Europe and, and China. In fact, uh, I'm, I'm almost sad to say the U.S. is kind of number third place when it comes to these the use of this technology. Europe's number one with about 400 plants, and uh, Asia's number two with about 300 plants. And this country, we haven't quite made it to uh, one plants yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, in doing this, we're really trying to solve three problems all at one time. Uh, first, we're solving municipal solid waste disposal. Um, and, and when the waste comes to our facilities after we've recycled what we can out of it, um, we're avoiding having to, to open landfills and run those landfills. We also are producing uh, energy, um, and that's another important uh, uh, thing that we do as a company. And lastly, um, we have climate benefits, and maybe we'll have a chance to talk about those a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'd really like to. In terms of greenhouse gas reduction. So as a company, you know, we when we go into a community, we're really saying, how can we help a community, how can we help a, uh, a county or a municipality uh, operate more sustainably? How can we help them with their solid waste disposal, their energy production, their renewable energy production, and, uh, and climate issues as well? So just to put this in layman's terms, basically we have a choice. When we throw things away, after we've recycled all that we can, it can either go into a landfill or it could go to a facility like yours and be turned into electricity. Is that right? That's basically the, the, the two choices we have after recycling. Right. And here's what I don't understand. Why, why is it that the U.S. is third? I was interested when you said, you know, we've got more in Europe and Asia than the U.S. That's, you know, everybody thinks the U.S. is kind of leading the world and going green and all these things. But, but why do you think that is? 
Well, and, and on the one hand, uh, Europe has put in place a policy that's aimed at uh, phasing out the use of landfills. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the major drivers for them uh, is certainly they, they don't have as the big wide open spaces that, that we, we do here in the U.S., but another one is uh, climate considerations, and I, I know we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. In China, for example, uh, the central government has set a policy that they want at least 30% of their municipal waste converted to energy by the year 2030. So they've, they have a, uh, an energy consideration that, that's mm-hmm. driving them. In this country, we haven't really had central policies, and, and communities make these decisions on a community-by-community basis. And, right. and quite frankly, um, you know, sometimes people uh, think of energy from waste and the technology we use to, to do this um, as really the incinerator of, of 30, 40 years ago. Uh-huh. The technologies are, are night and day. Um, well, so let's so, talk about that. Tell us, tell us about the technology because, hey, if we can get rid of landfills, I think a lot of people realize, and maybe some people don't, that when you put stuff in a landfill, it creates a lot of methane. And methane is one of the leading contributors to greenhouse gas emissions and what we're believing is causing global climate change. So let's talk about how Covanta Energy from waste facilities are, are a great alternative to that. Well, the, uh, the technologies uh, really started to develop first in the, in the 70s. And, you know, municipal waste is not uh, an easy thing to combust. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody who takes their garbage out at night knows that. But yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's been developed are technologies that burn the municipal waste at very high temperatures so that they're quite efficient, and, and that helps on, the, on taking care of emissions, pollutants from the, from the combustion. Uh, but along with that, the, the industry's progressed as the U.S. created its Clean Air Act and uh, uh, particularly some amendments that were done in, the, in 1990 uh, drove a whole new era of technology for energy from waste that um, really has, when you look at one of our facilities, the, the footprint of the, the air pollution control technology is on the same order of, of the size of the the boilers that we use to create steam, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a significant part of the plant, quite a significant part of the cost of a plant, but the results are fantastic because we can operate our facilities now uh, even more cleanly than uh, a coal-fired power plant, for example. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, I have to go back to, uh, in, in a past life, I was a science advisor at the U.S. EPA, Mm-hmm. Uh, during that time, I had a number of folks, a number of environmental groups coming and saying, why can't uh, uh, the coal-fired utilities uh, adopt the same approaches and technologies of the people who make energy from waste so that they could get their emissions down as well? Mm-hmm. So um, the, the industry has really been on, a, on the leading edge. Well, that must be the case. I tell you, I just went to your facility in Minneapolis last week, and I was amazed because I've been to some of the other facilities with Covanta, and they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You know, the the Stanislaus County facility in California is right near a landfill, which is perfect placement considering what you do, but it's away from residential areas. This plant in Minneapolis is right downtown. In fact, right across the street from where they're building a brand new baseball stadium. Right. And so, I am sure that you know, knowing how how closely your plants are monitored in terms of emissions, that 
this must be pretty doggone clean in order to be right down in an urban area. And, you know, how, how is that possible? Because I would imagine that that Minneapolis plant could be sort of a template for placing EFW plants in urban areas. Tell well, us about that. Sure. Uh, and, in fact, you know, when, when people say, well, what's the difficulty in, in doing more renewable energy uh, for electricity production, there's sort of a little list of things. And one of the very first ones is that usually we're talking about remote locations. In fact, for energy from waste facilities, one of their great strengths is uh, they can be located right near the municipality that's generating the waste. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you cut down on the transportation costs for the disposal of that waste Mm -hmm. with, with the the technologies that we've put on the plants, you can have them be very highly performing environmental uh, units and uh, and even things like uh, uh, odor from the plants. Uh, mm-hmm. The plants yeah. are highly engineered to, to, to the point where the intake uh, for of air for uh-huh. the combustion is done through the, the loading dock where the waste comes in so that there's a pressure that pulls the air right through that area so that the odors uh, are drawn into uh, the combustion chamber and not not outside. So that I totally that's... noticed that. I mean, when we pulled up to the facility in Minneapolis, and this was the same when I went to some of the other plants in California, you pull into the parking lot right next to the building, you do not smell a thing. You don't smell any garbage. And I have been to transfer stations and landfills. I know what garbage smells like. And you, there's no odor whatsoever on the outside of the building. Well, I, uh, I'll tell a story on myself. Uh, uh, long before I worked for Covanta, uh, I lived for a while in Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, um, it was only when I came to work for Covanta that I discovered that all of the uh, post-recycled waste in Alexandria goes to a facility that I used to drive by and thought it was some kind of high-tech um, uh, plant that uh, um, I, I had no idea it was an energy producer. I had no mm-hmm. idea it was, it was processing municipal waste, and uh, nor did the people who were building brand-new townhouses all around it really understand <laughs> what was going on there. So, Well, and that's amazing, and, and I know that you're highly regulated in terms of emissions, but Give us, so, so it's, you know, very, very safe, but give us some scope. Help us understand. Let's say that if we as a nation decided we're done with landfills and we're going to send all of our non-recycled trash to be turned into electricity, how much electricity could we generate in this nation? Well, let's, let's walk through that a little bit. First, let's, the considerations. So a ton of municipal waste is the equivalent of a barrel of oil. People have heard barrels of oil, they're familiar with that, or a quarter ton of coal mm-hmm. on the order of that. Um, our industry in this country uh, consumes about 30 million tons a year of municipal waste. There is, after recycling, probably on the order of 280, 290 million tons of municipal waste left. Now, mm-hmm. there's, there's more recycling, as you know, that we can do for that waste. But right. if you were to take just that 280 million tons and think about uh, that as a fuel for our kind of electricity production, I mean, today our industry does the, the equivalent of lighting uh, two Philadelphias in the surrounding uh, uh, suburban area. 
Yep. How, could, how much could we produce as a nation? If we were done with landfills in the 30 seconds we have left, what, what's the possibility? It, it could be, if you did the math, you'd come out to 20 very large coal-fired power plants or nuclear power plants. But the beauty of this technology, as it is with all renewable technologies, is it can be dispersed at smaller scale to the communities that need it. And solve that is problems. awesome. That is so amazing. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back after the break with more Go Green Radio. VoiceAmerica.com We all have issues. Parenting, addictions, disorders, anxiety, stress. How do we expand on what's working and improve what's not? Let Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson bring you a high-energy approach to personal growth and creative life change. Listen every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Women's Channel. Let Beth bring you back to sanity with a blend of humor and perspective so you can make the change you need. Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, here on Voice America Women's Channel. No excuses, no delays. If you have goals you want to achieve or changes you need to make, then it's time to take charge of your life with America's change buddy, Nancy Christie. This show will help you lead a more productive and fulfilling life starting now. Take Charge of Your Life challenges you to expand your sense of possibilities. Take Charge of Your Life with Nancy Christie is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Let change be a positive force in your life. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Glad to have you. We have got uh, a great guest coming up. Uh, his name is Steve Hellis. He is from the Theta Chi Brotherhood at Ohio Northern University. And he has been working on a project uh, to take his fraternity and make it go green. Steve, we are glad to have you. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jill. Thank you. I'm glad to be on it. Well, you guys are kind of superstars in my book. Uh, the Theta Chi chapter at ONU is has blown my mind, but I'll tell you, when people in my generation think of a fraternity, we kind of think of Animal House, but uh, that may not be an accurate depiction. <laughs> tell us about the Brothers of Theta Chi. Well, that is certainly def- uh, one of the uh, 
the problems facing fraternities today is that they have to fight that stereotype of animal health. Um, our, our fraternity itself is founded on the ideals of community service and academics, as exemplified in our motto, the helping hand, and our maxim, the alma mater first and theta chi for alma mater. Each year we hold and we participate in lots of, benef uh, lots of philanthropies benefiting local na national charities, uh, American Lung Association, Toys for Tots, and uh, like I said, the local food pantry and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, our brothers, we we range from East Coast and we've had West Coast and all sorts of majors, criminal justice and pharmacy and uh, theater. And we also are required and encouraged to participate in as many on-campus activities as we can, um, from college Republicans to Democrats to, uh, you know, any anything that's out there, we're, we, we do it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. You guys are, are such great guys. Now, how did you come up with the idea of creating a green flat house? What was it that inspired you? Well, we, um, we have been facing this problem of finding housing for a while since our chapter was founded here at Ohio Northern. We've lived in residential properties throughout, throughout Ada, and we really wanted to find a fraternity house. That was a fraternity house that we could call our own for years to come. We had, we had participated in building it and, and everything that had to do with making it your own. Um, by living in a residential facility, we never met uh, R2 facility standards, which is Ohio Fire Code for fraternity houses. Um, with the national concern for fraternity safety and ONU, you came to the fraternities and said, um, we'd like you all to update your houses, and here's what we'd like you to do. We'd like, we'll give you five years, and you come up with a plan, we'll assess those plans, and if you need help, we'll help you get there. So in brainstorming sessions with the Brotherhoods, we decided, okay, well, we, wanna, we, we do want a nice facility. How do we go about doing it? And mm -hmm. then the idea came up with, well, let's make it green. The university has decided that they, too, want to go green. And we thought, well, if we do this right and we do our timing, we can be the first green building on campus, and we can be the most green campus for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So and then and then when we did research, we discovered that hey, we can get outside funding and people will come in and help, and this could be a great thing for Ohio Northern, for the community, and just for Greeks at large. Um, if we do it, if we do it right, uh, in, I think that we can we can uh, potentially get most of it paid for, and that's our goal. Right. Well, and when you guys started talking about what a green flat house would actually be, what it would entail, what it would look like. What was your vision? Tell us about the project that you've outlined. The project that we've outlined is is a fraternity house, you know, normal fraternity house. But what we've added into it is is the idea of having state-of-the-art green technology, windmills, a water recycling system, up to bottled water quality that reduces 90% of your, your water waste, uh, geothermal heating, any anything that is green we would like to have in this house. Yeah. Um, outside, it, you know, when we were talking about, oh, well, what will it look like? You know, from the outside, we thought we'll go traditional and super, super modern on the inside. But then we decided then maybe we'll go modern on the outside and then modern on the inside. Um, but we ran into a problem with, with, uh, with land. So what we're looking at now is we're looking at renovating an existing structure and then adding on to it to make room for all of our technology and all of our, our rooms and, you know, one of the cool things, and, and we'll get to this later, is mm -hmm. the, um, the idea of making an educational center. So we need room for, for that kind of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and you guys are working with an architect, I know, who is big in green building and knows a good deal about what makes the building green, energy efficient, that sort of thing. What were some of the items he wanted to make sure your house uh, incorporated so that you, know, you would be uh, you know, energy efficient and, and truly green, not just in having windmills and things that are, you know, that are very overt that people can see and, and whatnot, but there were some things that were just going to be built into the structure itself to make it, quote-unquote, green. Uh, one of the largest factors in making a building green, especially when renovating, is keeping as much of the, of the existing structure as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you can renovate a house and throw everything away, and that isn't quite as green as, say, if you keep as much as possible or what you take out you give to something like uh, Habitat for Humanity, their restore, where they take some of that stuff and they put it in, in their houses. So um, every aspect of the construction is uses the idea of recycle and reuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's inevitably going to be stuff that we would have to, to get rid of, but as much as possible that we can reuse, we will. I love this. You know, this is a, a really cutting-edge idea, but pretty simple. And it goes back to what we talk about a lot on Go Green Radio, which is waste not, want not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of folks out there, housing market being the way that it is, who, are, who could apply this principle just to remodeling their home. Instead of gutting the place and creating a lot of construction and demolition waste or debris, um, reusing and, and essentially recycling some of the materials that you have to take out or, or using those materials in another way um, is a great way to cut down on the waste of a, of a project like that. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every, everybody that looks into remodeling, even if they've decided to throw everything out, mm-hmm. which, you know, in my hometown we do have the Habitat for Humanity Restore, so if you do remodel, you donate it to this, and they put it in their houses, or they, they sell it. Um, but even if they decide to do that, what we're going to do as well is we're going to bring in those recycled products already, stuff like perhaps a, a recycled glass countertop, or they now make them out of uh, recycled paper and cork floors, and anything that is recycled, we would like to put into this, this facility. Well, so I that love way it. we're not you know, using as much of our natural resources. Well, a lot of people don't realize how easy it is to, to get a hold of that kind of stuff. I mean, when I did a remodel in my house, I was putting in some new carpeting, and you can get recycled content padding and a lot of other you know, items that are, uh, that are environmentally friendly. And when you're taking out old carpeting, there are ways to you know, dispose of that in an environmentally responsible way. And so I really like this idea of thinking through cradle to grave, what is the environmental impact of our project? Now, you guys put together a business plan. I've seen it. It's incredibly sophisticated, and I know that you've taken it to your alumni board and the university and your national Theta Chi headquarters. Walk us through some of the ingredients, if you will, of that business plan. Well, it, it was definitely a lot harder than I thought. When we, when we had first started talking and you had told me about a business plan, you said, you had viewed a, a PowerPoint presentation that I put together. You said, well, you pretty much take everything that's in your presentation and put it into Word format. So I did that, and I came up with three, four, maybe even five pages at most. And then now, in this latest draft that we just pulled up, it, it's been 36 pages. <laughs> <You just laughs> right on. It. That's what you got to do. And what kind of things did you put in there? Um, 
we've gone into the details of the history of our chapter as to why we're looking into a new house. Um, we're talking about our mission, what our mission is for the house, what our mission is for the programs that we're going to have in the future, the technology. What is that? The, the program? What is the mission of your house to going green? Tell us how you did that. Um, the mission of the house is, is to create an example. Mm-hmm. And really for us to be able to go out to other Greeks, to other universities in the community, it is far better to have that example, that tangible evidence of the benefit of going green. And that is the first part of, of, our, of our project, of our initiative. Um, and the other is, is to encourage the community and ONU, other colleges, and it, Greeks especially, uh, to go green. Greek housing is a big part of, of college life here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And there are some some fraternities that are going green. In fact, the uh, University of Southern California chapter, Theta Chi chapter out there, is doing green renovations. And they, um, I believe they started last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the added step that, that we have is we're also aiming for that carbon neutrality status. I love that. Mm-hmm. And if perhaps you can what go more to carbon of, neutral. Yeah, some of our listeners may not know what that means. What does it mean to be carbon neutral? I mean, you would explain it better than I would, but I, from my understanding, and you can correct me if, if, I, if I miss a point, carbon neutral is where you take your carbon offset and you look at it and you say, what will make it so I can reduce my carbon, uh, carbon output mm-hmm. to zero? Or what you do if you're above that, you can do something perhaps like we are where we're installing a windmill that will offset yep. the amount of carbon output by the amount of green energy that we are using. That's a, that's a perfect explanation, Steve. I mean, basically, if you want to have no carbon footprint, you've got to live in a tent. No electricity, yeah. no water. So to the greatest extent that you can, you reduce your carbon footprint by reducing the amount of energy you use, you know, making sure you conserve water. But at some point, you're going to get down to that absolute baseline of the lowest you can go in terms of carbon emissions. And then when you reach that, then there are things you can do to offset those carbon emissions. And in, in doing so, you become a carbon-neutral facility. And I think it's amazing that your fraternity is so sophisticated that you, you get that. You totally get that, and you're striving towards that. And that really sets your chapter of Theta Chi apart from a lot of the other initiatives that we're seeing. This um, goal of not just going green, you know, like good PR sort of thing, but actually going to the point where you're carbon neutral. I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've got to say, you know, surely your alumni board and the university must appreciate that. Oh, it's, it's exciting for all of us to see. And, and I've, I've got some, some letters in, in our letters of support that say to see students come up with something like this on their own and not only did you see them come up with the idea, but take the initiative to write up a 30-some page business plan that will eventually yep. be more, to go out and look for sponsors, to, to do all this work as students. You guys are so inspiring. And we're going to bring Steve back after the break to talk more about this green flat house. Don't go away. More Go Green Radio in just a moment. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. They say it's from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote. And then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Do you know what the most complex piece of your business capital investment is? Is it the technology? Is it the infrastructure? Could it be the office and corporate structure? The most complex piece of your business capital investment is the human being. Return on Human Capital is a unique program that discusses some of the most important issues facing leaders in business. Join your hosts, Howard Pines and Jay Santamaria, for Return on Human Capital, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We're talking to my buddy Steve from the Theta Chi chapter at Ohio Northern University. They are going to be creating a green flat house. And I just love these guys. They are so motivated to not only create a green flat house, but to make it a role model example for others. Steve, welcome back to Go Green Radio. Hello. You know what? One of the things that I read in your business plan was your whole idea of making your fraternity house a learning center for the community, for others to, to check out. Tell us about your ideas um, regarding that. How are you going to make your frat house an educational opportunity? And, and that is what I think to, that is one of our most unique aspects of this project is the fact that we're turning a, a fraternity house. And going back to the animal house, you know, the party <laughs> place, you know, we're turning this into an educational center. We've spoken with the heads of departments here at the university and deans and, and professors, and we've gone to them and said, this is our project idea. How can this work for your department? Department of Statistics, they say, well, we can use all your statistics and we can generate studies on, on the carbon output and the, the energy use. Engineering, they've, you know, they could potentially, an engineering major can potentially come up with an idea for their senior project. 
and they could use it in our house, in actual living environment, mm-hmm. as part of their study. And it, it creates all sorts of possibilities for other students here at ONU, not just the brothers of Theta Chi. Um, so cool. So it actually becomes a laboratory of sorts. It does. It does. You know, and our, our ideal house, the big picture house, would have a, a lecture-style room that we can do seminars and presentations. And, that you know, we could also double for theaters and recruitment events and stuff like that. But the, the idea of including this sort of educational aspect into our fraternity house exemplifies our maxim, um, maxim of... Uh, Alma mater first, Theta Chi for alma mater. And anyone that lives in this house learns to live green. And I, I believe Kate was talking about it earlier with her kids. When they grow up, they're going to know how to live green and think nothing, you know, nothing about it. Well, we're the next generation to have kids, so we can, we can do that even, even sooner than perhaps Kate's children. That's right. Oh, my gosh, I didn't even think of that before. That's brilliant, Steve. I mean, not only are you guys going to be creating... A, a facility that reduces your community's, uh, uh, you know, energy consumption and water consumption, which is great for your community. But the thought of fraternity, of fraternity brothers living green and then taking that on into their lives. And, you know, you guys are going to be the business leaders of tomorrow. You're going to take that into your businesses um, where you work when you graduate from college. That's brilliant. We love it. Um, yeah, it's and that's that's what I love to do. And you know, I've been I've been practicing green for for a while now, and I've brought that into into the brotherhood and from for for years on end. Yeah. Well, you know, if money were no object, Steve, how would your plans progress? What are the necessary steps from today to reaching the the, the fruition of your vision for this green fraternity house? What would be the steps? If money were no object. Uh, we would have started building several months ago. <laughs> but um, if money were no object, and say we had all the money tomorrow in, our, in a bank account, mm-hmm. we would then go into finding the best location and purchasing it as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And then we would go into you know, finding the technology and finding a builder. And pretty much everything would be the same. It would just be much quicker than the pace it is going now. But you have the plan. So, so if you have the funding, you've got the plan all mapped out in this business plan. Is that right? That's correct. Um, with, you know, since money is an object, it mm-hmm. does make it more difficult and has slowed down the process. Mm-hmm. We constantly have that what-if question looming over our head. What if we don't get enough money or donations or sponsors to fund this project? How do we cover it? And, mm-hmm. and what do we scale back if we have to scale back? And that's what's made it hard. And we haven't quite taken that step out of the limb yet and said, we are doing this project 100% because we still have that what if looming over our head. It, it's unfathomable to me that it would be this difficult for you guys to get the support that you need. I mean, I, you know, I live in California, so I don't begin to know what's going on, you know, in Ohio or the Ohio Northern University, you know, community, but it seems to me like the university and the, the board of trustees and, you know, your national chapter would just chomp down on this project. It's already, oh. the map is laid down. It's awesome. 
And and they are. They they support the project and they love the idea of this and what it can do for for the fraternity, for the community, for Ohio Northern. It's just that this it, to do everything that we want to do. Mm-hmm. To do the house, which in itself is if we were to build from scratch, the estimate was almost two and a half million. Mm-hmm. To in to do our outreach program, which we want to go to co- other colleges and stuff, and we want to have a like a trust fund set up to where we don't pay that out of pocket. We have the money set up to do this mm-hmm. outreach program. This this is a multi million dollar project in in our our chapter, our international fraternity, and Ohio Northern. That's even though they've got money. That's still a, a hard chunk of change to to fork over, if you if you understand what I'm saying. Sure, absolutely. So it sounds to me like all you need is some some sponsors out there, folks who are in green building, whether it's Home Depot or whether it's you know solar uh, you know companies or what have you, to say, wow, this is a great project. We need to get behind this because it's a great role model. It's something very visible, um, and these guys are motivated. I really believe, I mean, after all the work I've seen you guys do and the business plan you've put together, um, that sponsors would be in great hands. If they were to come to you and say, we're behind this project, you guys know exactly what it's going to take to see it through to fruition and make everybody involved with the project very proud to be part of it. And absolutely, with every sponsor that comes to us and says, if if you do this, if you say yes now, that makes the easy. If you say yes now, we will give you this much, or we will donate this uh, this appliance or this you know technology. That makes it so much easier to step out on that branch because it's gotten that much stronger, mm-hmm. um, and it makes it makes the process go faster. And as I said before, it is it's hard to take that step without knowing what we can get, and that's where we're, we're in that gray area. So, right. you know, any sort of support that we can get. And, and this creates a great advertising. Absolutely. For, for these donators. You know, if, let's, let's say Home Depot donates all the kitchen equipment, you know, we will put it, there will be a plaque, and then we'll have a brick walkway that says, you know, kitchen donated by Home Depot. It will be in the kitchen. We'll call it the, the Home Depot kitchen. Or, you know, if so-and-so wants to donate a certain amount of money, it'll be the so-and-so room. Oh, that's great. See, you guys are are making it a community effort. You're allowing people to get involved, um, you know, in in every possible way and be part of this community project. How can our listeners who want to get behind this get in touch with you, Steve? Well, there are several ways. First of all, you can visit the Theta Chi Green Housing Initiative blog spot. That's Theta Chi, G-H-I, T. To start from the beginning, it's T-H-E-T-A-C-H-I-G-H-I dot blogspot dot com. There you'll find more of an overview mm-hmm. on the project, a biography of you and our architect. And then <laughs> as, as decisions for this, this plan uh, are made. Well, we'll and we need it. to get our listeners out there, so please visit Steve's spot. And Steve, best of luck to you. Join us next week for more Go Green Radio, and uh, have a great green week. Thanks for joining us.
Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.